Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We are live at the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District. Having a good time. Jimmy Cook looks amazing in his shamrock glasses that light up. We're waiting for a winning bet, but he is looking festive and ready. He's looking ready, especially for our next guest. Seth Greenberg does an yes. exceptional job. ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Seth, welcome in here, man. I'm curious, can you give us the layout what's the command center look like for you while you're watching all this tournament action over there well i'm home right now i'm watching i'm in my uh in my basement i got a couple tvs going and i'm just uh watching ball switch around between games and watching xavier basically get out tough by kennesaw state right now i mean it's it's absolutely unbelievable the lack of effort and sense of uh urgency that xavier is playing with right now so uh, I don't have to go back to later on, so I went in there this morning, and uh, usually we watch in our in the in uh, this big uh, complex in the uh, in the capital. We'll start that tomorrow, where we got about six TVs on the wall. But during the weekday games, I, I watch at home. Coach, I'm wondering if you could share for us. Uh, you've obviously passed this nugget to me along when we're doing uh, life on the AAU trail, but particularly in the big dance, the art of the upset is something you're always uh, preaching. When you look at a team like Kennesaw State or, or an upset-minded team like Furman the other day, what, what is the art of the upset from the coaching perspective of how to win in March? Yeah, impose your identity on the game, on the tempo and rhythm of the game, whether it's speed it up or slow it down. Uh, Kennesaw State's speeding it up and being aggressive and forcing Xavier to react to their changing defenses. Uh, then take away the other team's best player. Don't give up second shots. Don't give up live ball turnovers when the turnover battle and the second shot battle. So, so you can set your defense most importantly. If you don't turn it over, you can set your defense. If you don't give up second shots, you can set your defense. Uh, and then take away the other team's best player and then have someone step up for you. You do those things, you've got a chance. We, you know, Fortunately for me, I've been able to do that four times against the number one team in the country, and it's always the same kind of uh, game plan and and. It's, it, it proves out to be successful. Seth, uh, we will look at Arizona getting upset yesterday. Uh, you mentioned it. I thought it was a great point with Xavier where sometimes these teams in a one-and-done scenario, they don't seem like they have one-and-done urgency. So of Arizona, Xavier, any other team, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far in the tournament? Arizona was a surprise, but i got to be honest with you, their guard play has been bad all season. Well, not been bad, but it hasn't been consistent all season. <clears throat> they were 2-14 for from the three-point line. They were three, three assists, six turnovers in the second half from the backcourt. The two bigs were 15 for 30. I think the rest of the team was 9 for 27. So, uh, you know, they, uh, they were true to who they've been uh, all season long in terms of when they lose, their backcourt has not shown up, and it didn't show up. Coach, I've asked a handful of people, and I want to get your take as well for a little bit of maybe reestablished faith or maybe more concern for me. Indiana-Kent State tonight, there's obviously matchup problems there for the Hoosiers. 
What's your pulse on that game, and is it still a lean towards Indiana, or is it upset watch for the Hoosier faithful tonight? No, I think Indiana's going to win that game. Um, you know, it goes back to it's kind of a simple. They have Trace Jackson Davis. You don't. Now, look, they got a, they got a guard. You know, everyone talks about, well, you know, some matchup problems. No, no. Like, Indiana, when they guard, they, they beat anyone. When they don't guard, they struggle. You know, Cincinnati Carey, they wouldn't have recruited Cincinnati Carey. They just wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, their backcourt, the guys that are playing for Indiana, need to be as tough and competitive and resilient and focused uh, to do all the right things. But uh, it all really comes down to effort <clears throat> on the defensive end. When Indiana's committed defensively, they're really tough to beat. Unfortunately, they do it every other day. Yeah. Hey, Seth, you know, if you look at Purdue – in particular, they've struggled shooting the ball from outside consistently. I'm just curious, when you think about all the ways that you could potentially lose during March Madness, where would you rank lack of consistent outside shooting on your personal list? Well, you got to score. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I guess how you lose is make a turnover like happened in the Virginia game. Have a game one and throw the ball away. Oh. Uh, but, yeah, you got to make shots. But they're going to make shots. I don't know if they're going to make a ton of threes. But they got one guy that makes a lot of shots. <clears throat> and they got one guy that gets a lot of offensive rebounds. So they have one guy that, I guess, uh, erases a lot of missed shots. And that's Zach Eden. Now, they just can't turn it over. Coach, we had on, I'd like you to guess who you think it was. If you've talked to him already, then maybe you know. We had on a guest yesterday. I, I tried to, to get some type of, of, uh, of dirt or some type of nugget. He, he went positive instead. And the nugget he shared is that of your ESPN uh, cohorts, you guys are always on the same wavelength. They're almost always on the same wavelength, including when you had to scramble uh, to put together your bracket uh, just before your Selection Sunday show. Who would you say that was? My man, my man LaFonso Ellis. You know it was. You know it was. You know it was the Fonz, which is, leads me into my next question. We asked him. I told him I'm, I'm back in Grand Canyon. I'm pulling for his son. I'm looking forward to the matchup as a whole. Uh, what do you see in that Grand Canyon-Gonzaga game? I think Gonzaga's really good. I think they're undervalued right now, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that they're defending better. I think that the opposite of offense. I like Malachi Smith and what he's bringing to the equation. Uh, that's going to be a tough tough game for the Lopes, but Lopes up. What do you think, uh, Coach, about the groin injuries here? You look at Sasser with Houston, Brandon Miller with Alabama didn't score a point. How, how big of a factor do you think that's going to be for those two teams? It's huge for Houston. They can't. They might not get out of this round without uh, Sasser being able to play play well. Uh, you know, he look. He's a first team All American. He's an elite defender. He's a guy at the short clock and make a play. Uh, just, it, you know, winning without him at a high level, they surely can't get, a, you know, get to the Final Four doing that. That's for sure. Seth, when you look at the Boilermakers as a whole, I know that Brian already touched on the inconsistency at times from uh, outside looks, just not hitting open shots. That's kind of formed into an identity for them instead of a trend the last couple of weeks. When you look at how the early rounds have unfolded for Purdue, are they as good a ticket as anybody in your mind to cut down the nets? Uh, well, they, they've got a bad draw. they got Duke in Sweet 16. Yeah. That's a bad draw. I mean, Duke's yep. playing as well as anyone. they got depth and they got size and they, they defend. 
really defend. <clears throat> and they have a matchup to some extent with Zach Eady. So uh, I think that's a really hard matchup for Purdue, even if they play well. We're talking to Seth Greenberg here, ESPN college basketball analyst, joining us here on The Fan. How open do you think this tournament is, Coach, where, you know, you're seeing an upset yesterday where Arizona goes down. You see that uh, Kennesaw State is leading by double digits against Xavier, a three seed right now. And maybe we, we have the knee-jerk reaction of thinking, it's wide open, you know, anybody can win this tournament. How wide open do you think it is in terms of the potential that a team wins it all that you didn't expect that to be the case whatsoever? How good are the chances of that happening in your mind? I don't think that's going to happen, but we always have certain upsets, and uh, we're seeing those upsets right now. I mean, but I think in the end, you see Texas took care of business, and you know, you're going to see people. I think you're going to have a one, two, or three win, win national championship. Coach, I, I know you don't need me to do this because uh, <laughs> ESPN takes good care of you, but uh, I, if I'm pushing the over for you as many medicine balls as, as whatever it takes because I, I need to see you to, uh, prim and proper and ready to go uh, for, our, for our coverage throughout uh, on, on the national network as we get closer and closer to the Final Four, my friend. You're right. I need to stop talking right now and save my voice. <laughs> that, there you that's, go. What I, that's what I'm saying, Coach. Well, we we'll, appreciate you. Yeah, we'll let that happen, Coach. Thanks for your time, man. Enjoy the tournament. Okay. We'll catch you later. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. There he is, Seth Greenberg, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. It, it's the, it's, it is the time of year in general. Uh, it happened to me getting ready to call games for uh, the Champions Network for the IHSAA. It is Brian, though, and Jimmy Cook here on The Fan, live from the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District. We just got word from our guy Sam that the empanadas, it's the way to go. Empanadas are good, and if you are into lobster rolls, delicious lobster roll right that way. Really? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things to get when I'm here. I like that you're vouching for it. Very yep. nice over here. Let's uh, welcome in Kevin Bowen. You get him on the morning show here on The Fan. KB, um, are you an empanada guy at all? Uh, I am. I will echo that. We are a big garage family, the Bowens. We love venturing down there. It's great to have uh, our oldest run around. And, yeah, I've been to, um, boy, the Brazilian place. I like the Brazilian street food. I like. I know my wife's a big fan of the uh, Jay's Lobster as well, so. I'm a little bummed that uh, I'm kind of on dad duty here this afternoon. Can't come join you guys. Yeah, it's too bad. I, I tried to get a haircut. I was going walk-in haircut. We walk <laughs> and we talk about the food. It's kind of cool. There's a barber shop here, but no, they're they're kind of booked out in advance. It's one of those uh, good places, you know. It's not the greatest sign if they're like, yeah, come on in. We got time for you. So yeah, kind of a good sign they were booked up, KB. Yeah, I've always been a little intimidated by that barbershop. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of here for food and a drink. Uh, but, yeah, it, it has crossed my path a time or two. I mean, it is a great way to plan a whole day, though, Kev. I mean, you, you, you can sure. all here in Bottle Works. You could grab some food. You can have a drink. You get a haircut, and you go see a movie all in one day. Exactly. Yeah, you can check off all the boxes. Uh, I know my <laughs> wife does yoga in the area. I'm not a big yoga person, but she does yoga right next to the garage. So, 
Zen, food, beer, hair. Uh, boy, yeah, we're just we're, we're, that's, a, that's a full day right there. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine that you're feeling very confident about Purdue today, KB. How do you feel about IU? Uh, yeah, definitely not as confident. I actually picked Kent State. Um, and, and I, you know, the reasons for that, I guess, is you know, talking to people that have you know, watched Kent State a lot and seen them play, I, I don't think you get typical mid-major fear out of them. Um, I think it's a team that's very aggressive on the defensive end of the floor with their guards. Um, I, I think that could rattle an IU team that it's almost we've forgotten that they have played without their main point guard for – you know, several months now. It's just a lot to put on the plate of Jalen Hushfino to run the show and also give, you know, whatever, 16 points, 18 points a night. Um, and if you look at Kent State's schedule in terms of being battle-tested, I mean, at Houston, at Gonzaga, you know, both those are true road games. They had leads late in the game. I mean, we're talking final couple minutes of the game. They had leads, and their leading scorer, Sincere Carey, um, he was 2 of 22, <laughs> At, at Houston, and he was 4-15 at Gonzaga. So it's not like they had some, you know, miracle sincere carry went off for 30, and that's why they're in those games. So I think for those reasons, um, Kent State is not the best matchup for Indiana. Having said that, uh, where Indiana undoubtedly has a huge strength is with Trace Jackson Davis. Kent State is not very big, and, you know, when you commit all this attention to taking away Trace Jackson Davis, Obviously, that will open things up. So if Galloway and Miller Cobb, if they can combine for four or five threes, but Shafino can get going, then obviously uh, that's going to be huge for IU in, in moving on. But uh, And should be noted that you know when Kent State faced Gonzaga earlier in the year, I know it's not apples to apples, but Drew Timmy had a huge night for Gonzaga. So that's good news for Trace Jackson Davis. So I don't think it's a great matchup. You know, I, I know I'm going out on a, on a limb a little bit here, uh, but those, those are my thoughts. One clarification, Kev, before I ask you my real question. You picked them as in you picked them in the bracket or you're laying money mm. on the Golden Flashes? Ooh. That's a key difference for me. Yeah. Um, yes, I probably should have clarified. I have picked them in the bracket. Um, financially, I, I've not gotten to the night session. Um, okay. let's, let, let's evaluate the afternoon session, Jimmy. Let's make sure – Barty doesn't blow this one as they've already blown a double-digit first-half lead, it seems yeah. like. Um, but, yes, I, I, right now they are advancing in my bracket. Okay. And the reason I ask that is because with us both being Indiana alums, it, you follow it as close as anybody. If you're putting money at stake here with the flashes, then I'm starting to really get more concerned tonight than, than I was. I had an appropriate amount of respect for the Golden Flashes, but if you're putting a financial stake in it, now I'm – changing my tune a little bit well and i guess let me clarify you guys are talking to a man that had arizona cutting down the nets so um, <laughs> if there's any iu okay. fan that wants uh wants a, a, a assurance about this bet then there you go um i had arizona cutting down the nets i had texas a&m in the elite eight if you want to go further out on a limb and that this is a wasted conversation and you shouldn't even listen to me but again i i, I said it this morning i mean yes i you know I am always honesty over homerism here, if that's a word. And I I just think there are a lot of elements to Kent State that pose a bit of a threat. I mean, they have the Defensive Player of the Year in the MAC, who is a guard, kind of wing defender. You would assume he gets the Jalen Fuchifino assignment. Um, And we'll see how it goes. I I just think mid-majors, you often get 
a little bit of deer and headlights look from them. I, I don't think Kent State, their players, you know, exude that sort of timidness. I think they play with a bit of a swagger. Now, at times, you can look at that glass half empty if you're a Kent State fan and say, you know, they're a bunch of loose cannons and they can turn the ball over and, you know, things like that. Um, they aren't a great, great shooting team. They don't have depth. They don't have great height. But, again, I think their defensive pressure would be worrisome on the perimeter if I were an IU fan. Talking to Kevin Bowen. You hear him on Kevin and Query here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You know, I don't know if it's a great comparison, KB, but I was just thinking about how it just doesn't feel to most fans in this area that the Colts are going to end up with Lamar Jackson. It kind of feels like a lot of fans aren't expecting Purdue to win a championship this season. But if you start looking at it, Houston's banged up. UCLA's banged up. Alabama has question marks with Brandon Miller now. Arizona has been bounced. You start thinking about it, it's like, well, someone's got to win this freaking tournament, you know? Like, even though it doesn't seem to be expected, or I won't go as far as to say possible, just not likely, what do you think the, the chances are that Purdue could be the team cutting down the nets? Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, me even mentioning what my bracket looks like is probably dumb at this point. I've already made that clear. I, I have Purdue in the final four. Um, I think Purdue's biggest advantage, obviously, is Zach Eady. But I think more than anything, it's the fact that, you know, teams just aren't used to anybody that size, let alone that skilled, whereas Big Ten teams, you know, you would think after a couple of years of playing against Zach Eady, they would have some semblance of like, all right, we know what to expect, and it's not going to be as, as, as stunning as maybe it would be for other teams. And if you look at the best Purdue has played all season, it was on a neutral floor in a tournament setting out in, in Portland earlier this year when they beat West Virginia by double digits. They beat Gonzaga by double digits. They beat Duke by double digits. So for all those reasons, I think you have to really feel good if you are a, a Purdue fan. Um, they have some bench players that have gone off before, and I think that is important, whether that's David Jenkins or Mason Gillis. I know he's now in the starting lineup, but Brandon Newman would fall into that boat as well. Obviously, the worrisome things are probably a little bit of what happened to Arizona last night. I mean, if you look at Arizona last night, their big guys were, you know, about what you'd expect, 35 points, 17 rebounds. But their guards were like 6 of 20-something and 1 of 12 from 3. So, you know, when you talk about what wins in March, I know it's very cliche, but, you know, guard play typically does the heavy lifting. And look at when Purdue has made their their big run. I mean, they've, they've had nice you know, seasons over the last handful of years, but their best run on the doorstep of the Final Four, it was Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein, and your starting front court was Matt Harms and Grady Eifert. Not necessarily – you know, what, what Zach Eady brings to the table or just how much of a focal point he is. So, uh, you know, obviously Fletcher Lawyer finding a shooting stroke will be critical. He's two of his last 20. Uh, I, I worry about the second-round matchup, Memphis or Florida Atlantic. Um, but, I mean, to your earlier point, Brian, I mean, this tournament is wide open. You could convince me of a dozen teams winning it all right now, and I don't know if I'd feel very confident in about any of them, and you laid out some of the reasons. I watched Houston last night, and if I'm an IU fan – Yes, I think that it's not a guarantee they get through this first weekend, but that Houston team looks very vulnerable to me. I don't think it's a guarantee that they beat Auburn tomorrow with their injury situation. So uh, this is a very, very unique tournament based off kind of recent tourneys.
Kevin Bowen and Kevin and Query, nice enough to take some time with us here on the Fan Midday Show. KB, I know you guys talked about it throughout the week and obviously hit out this morning as well, but me and Brian were looking at the dwindling and quickly dwindling quarterback market for the Colts, assuming they want to bring in a veteran to, in my thought process, start week one. They wind up getting Minshew Mania here, baby. Let's go. What are your thoughts on it, KB? What was your initial reaction to the mustachioed hero coming to Indianapolis? Well, there's a reason I haven't showed Maddie, my wife, any pictures of the new Colts quarterback. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to refrain from that. But it, I, I think he checks a lot of the important, you know, backup slash bridge quarterback boxes. And those boxes would be you have played in the league before. I mean, he started 24 games in four years. Um, he has not only been with Shane Steichen, I mean, Shane Steichen has called plays for Gardner Minshew in multiple games, two this year, two last year. So, you know, obviously Gardner Minshew knows what Shane Steichen likes, kind of how he rolls, you know, what makes him tick, those sorts of things. That could be beneficial to Minshew. That can be beneficial to Minshew explaining that to the rookie quarterback. He started 12 games as a rookie, and I think that can really aid in, you know, being a sounding board for, in all likelihood, that, that rookie quarterback that gets drafted. And then lastly, by all accounts, and the, mate, or the, uh, the mustache probably doesn't indicate it, but he seems like a pretty low-maintenance individual. Um, so I think those are all important boxes to check when, you're drafted, when you have a bridge or a backup quarterback. I would say the one thing he probably can't be super relatable to with this quarterback is he wasn't drafted high. You know, he, he was a six-round pick. So yeah. I think it'll be a little bit more difficult to – you know, oh, yeah, we had billboards in Jacksonville for, for me and, you know, all this hype and all this fanfare. Uh, but, again, I think for a lot of reasons this move makes sense. The contract is, is very manageable as well. Uh, so I was a fan of this. KB, if we get to draft night and Goodell is up there and says, and with the third or the fourth pick, the Indianapolis Colts select – Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky, what is your reaction to that? Uh, my reaction is you are banking on Shane Steichen's quarterback development to the nth degree. Um, you know, there is a lot of – when people talk about Will Levis at Kentucky and, and they try to talk about it in a, like, non-skeptical light, they immediately go to excuses. And are some of them valid excuses? Sure, but that's not always the most frigging endorsement for a player. It's like, well, he had a bunch of offense coordinators. Well, he had poor offensive line play. Well, he was playing through injury. Um, you know, the skill group wasn't great. Like, it immediately goes to all that. So what you're banking on is Shane Sykin developing, you know, better footwork for him. And then in general, you're just building on, you know, we're going to support him better than Kentucky supported him. And – the issue I have is I don't feel like the Colts have supported their quarterback enough in recent years. And, yes, it's still Friday of the first week of free agency, but I don't like the early returns on how they're supporting whoever's under center for next season. Um, so that would be where I would have some concern. But I will say this. Um, I do think the Colts um, like a lot of qualities that Will Levis brings to the table, a lot of important qualities to them, which – you know, there's a lot of kind of the what makes him tick and how he's wired and how he leads and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, which can oftentimes be, be the separator, you know, when you're, when you're making a selection here. But I would guess if the Colts have a draft party that night, 
um, there would probably be a good amount of booze if that was the selection. Kev, conversely, because me and Brian were kind of discussing this to open the show today, I feel like there is. I know Bauer doesn't, and you might not. I feel like there's a gap between Young and Stroud and Richardson and Levis. The Colts obviously don't evaluate it that way. At least that's what they're going to sell to us because they did not trade up to go to number one with Chicago to have their pick of the litter. So now they're here at, let's just say for the sake of argument, four, let's just say also for the sake of argument, nobody trades up to take a QB. I don't see a massive difference between Richardson and Levis. I lean Richardson because of uh, the other factors that he has, his build, just the speed, I think, at his ceiling, if the accuracy can be fixed, which is a big if, is Jalen Hurts. However, my issue with why I'm not going to be mad on where or the other is I think they both ring true to your point. If Steichen can't get the most out of them and fix their glaring issues, one holds the ball too long and doesn't read pressure from behind well and the other is inaccurate, it's going to be a flop either way in my mind. Yeah, I mean, both of them have, you know, like you just laid out there, Jimmy, different developmental areas that are obviously critical to playing yeah. the position at a very high level. I, you know, I do think separating them, um, while on paper they might look similar, even though the areas for improvement are different, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed that at some point over the course of their career they end up having similar sort, sorts of careers. You know, I, I would think that, you know, one of them is going to find a level of success that is more than the other. Now, how big is that gap? Who knows? But uh, that, I think, is what is going to be a huge part of this next month because, yeah. you know, A, you might have that choice, either Levis or Richardson, or if all of a sudden in the next couple of weeks they, you know, have – found that there is a big difference between the two, and a lot of it will probably be between the years than, than, than anything, then you're going to want to move up to three and have your pick of the two. And I know a lot of people are against that. I am not one of those people. I think they should try and trade up for the third pick. Um, Rick Venturi and I were actually talking about this a little bit earlier today, in that if and when that time comes that you fall in love with one of the two or think more highly of one of them than the other, you want to make sure you beat all the other teams to that punch, whether that's Seattle at five, Detroit at six, Atlanta at seven, or even a team in your own division like Tennessee at 11. It would be a big trade-up, but they have a new GM. They, they, they seem to be stripping away down, so they could be a team that all of a sudden you know makes kind of a big quarterback move there. Um, and if none of that happens, then you're still sitting there at the third pick, and you can entertain you know other sorts of ideas, whether it's, okay, Let's see if anyone will trade up. If not, maybe we take Will Anderson and try to get Hendon Hooker later in the draft. I just think it's important to get to that breaking point. You're already having to dodge kind of two quarterback bullets at one and two. I don't want to have to dodge another one, and then all of a sudden I don't get a choice at quarterback. That choice is made by three other teams. KB, before you go, what is the best and what is the worst part of dad duty today for you? Well, the best part is what, what we're about to embark on. That would be nap time. Um, it's glorious. Um, just pray the sound machines do the job that they are made to do. Pray that the pacifiers stay in the mouth and that we're able to settle in and watch some basketball for a long stretch. Uh, the worst part would probably be them not understanding what March Madness means. 
So I, I'm being very selfish with both of those answers, but um, yeah, I guess I'm kind of in a selfish mood that my St. Patrick's Day kind of revolves this. So the days have changed. Obviously, there's a lot of greats. There's a lot of beautiful things about watching them grow and laugh and, and all of those, and I do love those. But boy, on a day like today, there's a lot of hardwood that I would love to watch. Kev, I do want to drop one more nugget for you as well. And if you don't observe it, then you know, don't out yourself. Just play like you do. Um, but as a, a fellow Catholic alongside you, uh, my dad always told me this. wasn't sure if it was actually true or if he was being you know, funny. But uh, you can indulge in some meat today. Archdiocese of Indianapolis, along with other dioceses, have confirmed that since the Feast of St. Patrick, you're not stuck with a filet of fish today, my friend. You can go out, <laughs> you can get a, a, a steak from St. Elmo's or something if you want to, to roll that way for, for IU and uh, Kent State tonight. Well, look, look at that from Jimmy Cook right there. Thank you um, for the uh, clarification. You're welcome. I, I did you're welcome. not know that. Um, again, this shows you my vulnerability as a father right now. <laughs> I was in panic mode a little bit earlier, so I've already broken that rule. We, we did make a stop at Chick-fil-A for lunch well done. to try and uh, get, trying to get us to nap time. Um, so apologies on that. I'd like to say that I knew that, but I did not. But, you know, now that makes me feel You're a in the little clear. bit better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, again, what would make me feel <laughs> a lot better would be Michigan State uh, coming back here in the second half and winning this game. I live bet them. They're with you. There you go. All right. Hey, KB, enjoy the day. Enjoy the weekend. Get all the tournament stuff action you can, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, bud. Boys, have a great time in the garage. Thanks, Kev. Thanks. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Catch him here on the fan morning show.